Good, good. It's so good to have you here. Uh, whether you're here in person or watching with us online, we're so glad to have you with us. Uh, and did you know that each week we have people watching CFA from all around the country? It's kind of cool, right? We have people who watch from the West Coast, people who watch from the East Coast. Uh, we have our Midwesters. We have our uh, Down Southers. We have all kinds of people watching. Uh, we even had a couple people watching from Hawaii a couple weeks ago. And if you're watching from Hawaii, we love you. We're totally jealous of you. We love you. Uh, and uh, we wish we were with you. We need to launch a Maui campus just so we can go, right? I mean, yeah, they need Jesus, but we need sunshine. So, uh, you know, we, we should do that. But anyway, it's so good to have uh, you here with us. And we've been in a series called More to the Story, uh, More to the Story. And we have been highlighting the parables of Jesus. And Jesus would speak in simple parables to communicate uh, divine ideas. Jesus would use simple stories to connect with common people, people just like you and me. And how many of you know somebody uh, who tells a great story? You know any great storyteller? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe if it's a grandpa. I don't know. You're like, I do. I'm that guy. I'm that gal. Yeah. But listen, uh, regardless of how good of a story they tell, I can promise you Jesus shared the best story. Uh, Jesus' story is the best story, and Jesus uh, is the greatest storyteller of all time. And so we have been highlighting, we've been honing in on some of these stories Jesus tells in the Gospels, and they're called parables. And so I want to share another parable with you today. It's a parable that ultimately unveils, it reveals the heart God has for people, the heart God has for humanity, and that is the parable of the barren fig tree, the parable of the barren fig tree. And so we're going to look in Luke chapter 13. If you have your Bible or your phone with you, we're going to start in verse 6. If not, it's going to be larger than life up here on the screen. Uh, I, I sometimes, I don't know, I turned 43 and my eyes stopped working. So sometimes I'm like looking at this. I might actually use the screen. We'll see. But Luke chapter 13, uh, we're going to look in verse 6, and I'm going to try to read this. Then Jesus told this story or this parable. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, I love this, sir, give it one more chance. Give it another chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. If you would, stand it with me. Uh, we'll pray, and then I'll share a couple thoughts, and we'll get out to trunk or treat. And I'm going to have a Reese's peanut butter cup or 15. Come on, anybody else? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for this time together, and we pray in these few moments that you would just speak to us by your word. Uh, we thank you your word is alive and active. That your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that it guides us. And in the midst of this crazy, confused, dark world we're living in, your word gives us light and it shines our path. And we thank you for that. I pray today, Lord, that you uh, would remind us that you give us another chance. I pray for the person who's walked in, maybe feel like life has given up on them, people have given up on them, that they would be reminded that you give us another chance, that this truth would be planted deep in the caverns of our soul and we would know that regardless of what we've done, who we are, that you give us another chance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and sit down. As you see, I've stopped praying for the Seahawks because I've given up. 
All right. Uh, you're going to have to take on that. I'm, I'm, out, I'm out of ideas. Um, <laughs> but I want to I share with you a story uh, that actually Kim shared with you a few months ago when she was speaking, only I want to share this story from my point of view. How many of you know marriage is all about perspective? It's all about different points of view. Am I right? And so I want to share this story from my point of view. And this story takes place uh, some 20 years ago, a long time ago. Um, I, uh, this is a story about something dumb I did early on in my parenting. And how many of you know we can all look back on life and identify a few dumb things <laughs> that we've done? Uh, you know, maybe at the time we thought, well, this is a good idea. But over time, uh, in hindsight, in retrospect, we realize that was pretty dumb. <laughs> we all have those moments. At least I hope you do because I'm about to share one of mine. Um, so we all have those moments. And like I said, this story takes place 20 years ago. Uh, I was a young dad, 23 years old. My oldest daughter, Olivia, who will be 21 in April, that's weird to say, um, man, uh, she wasn't even one years old yet. And the way this would work is this. Uh, I had Mondays off at the church I worked at, so I would watch Olivia on Mondays, and Kim would go to work. And so, so that was kind of my daddy-daughter day. And just a side note, just a PS, dads, take your daughters out on dates. It's a really good thing to do. It's something I did early on, and I think it's just important uh, for them to know the way they should be treated. It's one of the best investments you'll ever make as a dad. That was free, nothing to do with the message. But so uh, we would have these daddy-daughter days, and Olivia was only one. And so we'd wake up, and we would do kind of the same thing most Mondays. Uh, we'd wake up, and we would watch Baby Einstein. Any of you know Baby Einstein? Is that still a thing? They still have that? I, my kids are older now, so I don't know. But when we watched Baby Einstein, it was the first edition, and we were all, <laughs> all of us parents were convinced if our babies watched Baby Einstein, they would grow up to be like geniuses. They would grow up to be like brainiacs, and and so the, the baby Einstein we watched was the first edition. And I'll be honest with you. It was like a low-budget movie for babies. It, it wasn't very good. I mean, they had toys on the video that we have in our house. I mean, I could just show my kid the toy. But, like, we would watch the video, and we thought this was awesome. And they had, uh, they had like, baby Bach and baby Mozart, and there was, like, all these famous composers playing music in the background and and listen, it was so low budget that they would, <laughs> they would have toys like a spaceship or a Tonka truck, and it would come across the screen, but you could see the person's hand in the screen. Like, it's like, it's like dude, I can see your hand, bro. Like, the, the, how low budget is this? But we were convinced that as long as our babies watched this, they would become like geniuses. And so um, evidently, we weren't exactly Einstein. <laughs> but but we, we watched baby Einstein in our house. We watched uh, uh, Elmo. Elmo. Elmo's still a thing. Elmo's been around for decades. Elmo's not going away. And so, so we would watch baby Einstein, we watch Elmo. Then we'd come to the time of day uh, that it was time to eat. So I would find whatever sugary snack was around the house, and I would feed Olivia Gerber baby food. And she loved the carrots. So I would feed her the carrots, and as I'm doing that, I would try my very best not to vomit in my mouth because that stuff stinks. It's just putrid. And so she's eating it. She's enjoying it. And then we got to my favorite part of the day, nap time. Come on, parents. Nap time is the best time. Am I right? 
Nap time is what gives us hope again. Am I right? Like nap time is like heaven coming down to earth. It's like God giving you another chance. And, and, uh, and so we'd have nap time. Now, now here's, here's where this story gets interesting. So <laughs> this really happened. So I put Olivia down for a nap one Monday, and I thought to myself, you know, I haven't been to the gym in a while. Haven't worked out. I like to work out. And so we've been busy with church. We've been busy with the baby. I'm like, uh, maybe I'll just go for a really short jog. Don't judge me. <laughs> I don't know why I thought this. Thinking back even now, I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm thinking. But, but so I just put her down for a nap. And I thought, I'm just going to go for a short jog just around the complex of my townhome. I mean, I could see my townhome at all times. I thought, this is a great idea. And so I put on my running clothes. I grabbed our baby monitor. And our baby monitors aren't like the baby monitors today that are like HD, 1080 video on your phone. These only had audio. You guys remember those? Only audio. And it wasn't even good audio. It was like AM radio frequency audio. You know, there's this underlying static in the background the whole time, and, and you're like trying to hear, is my baby awake, or is that just the wind? You know what I mean? Like, you couldn't even hear anything, and, and that's, just, that's just, just our baby monitor. So I got on my running clothes. I, I, I left the house. I locked the door, ah, and I went for just short jog. So I was just around our townhome. As I said, I could see our townhome at all times. I was probably no more than like an eighth of a mile from our house the entire time. And the baby monitor would go out of range. So it would just make me run faster. You know what I mean? It gave me like this, this, this good interval workout that I could jog, sprint, jog, sprint. And I did this for like 15 to 20 minutes. I got home, and I thought everything was good. And then Kim came home. So Kim comes home, and she's all excited because she's been away from Olivia. And she walks in. She's like, how's my baby? And I'm like, I'm good. You know, no, she, so I hand her Olivia and, and she has Olivia and she's like dancing with her and she's so excited to see her. And then she asked me, she said, well, what did you do today? So I'm like, well, we watched baby Einstein. And she's like, oh, that's cool. And it's what else? And, <laughs> and I'd like, we ate and she's like now pinching Olivia's cheeks like, oh yeah, she loves to eat. And I'm like, yeah. She said, what else did you do? I said, well, I, I went for a jog. <laughs> and she said, um, huh, what? <laughs> and I said, I, I went for a jog. And she said, you mean you and Olivia went for a jog? Like, you put her in the stroller, and you went for a jog, like, around the neighborhood, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I, I actually, she was taking a nap. And so I thought it'd be a great idea just to take a real quick, you know, jog around our townhome complex. I, but I literally said this like it mattered. I said, but I had the baby monitor with me. <laughs> and so uh, Kim's smile on her face immediately turned <laughs> to a little bit more of an angry look on her face. Her beautiful brown eyes turned the shade of red. And uh, she said, can we talk? But to me, it sounded like, could we talk? You know what I mean? Like, like she was really mad. And, and I realize now why. But, but so we sat on the couch, and she talked to me, kind of like you would a toddler, <laughs> that you cannot go leave the house while our baby's sleeping. And she said, Matt, you can never 
ever, 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 ever do that again. And I'm like, you're right. You know, as I think about it, I'm like, man, I have no idea what I was thinking. And and so I'm like, Roger, got it. I'll never do that again. So the good news is the next Monday, I had another shot at Daddy Daughter Day, and I nailed it. I didn't even go on one jog, all right? That's how, that's how good I did. Uh, but, but I share this story. First of all, I want you to know uh, my daughter, Olivia, is okay. Uh, she is 21 years old, and she's already finished her bachelor's degree. She's doing a master's degree. So maybe baby Einstein did work. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was fruitful. But she's playing college soccer. I, I think she's okay. Uh, thank God for grace. But uh, I share this story with you because I think I think we all can look back on some dumb things we've done. I share this story with you because it's kind of funny. But I also share this story with you because the same way uh, I had another chance at Dad-Daughter Day, on a serious note, more importantly, I'm thankful that we serve a God who gives us another chance every day. Listen, I'm thankful that we serve a God that gives us another chance at life, that gives us another chance at things every day. We serve a God who goes to great lengths to reach us because he loves us, and we serve a God who gives us another chance. And listen, even when we fall down, even when we slip up, even when we mess up, we serve a God who lets out his hand of grace to pick us up and gives us another chance. Come on, he is a God of another chance. Can you say amen? Okay, I'll, sh- I'll get into that more in a moment. To share with you some context, when we pick up in this parable, before Jesus shares this parable, this is the, the setting. The people are talking, and Jesus is hearing, and they're talking about a recent tragic event that has just occurred. And what had happened is a man named Pilate, who actually is a man who later on sentences Jesus to death, uh, he's the Roman governor of Judea, and Pilate has just killed, he has just executed a few people for uh, really no reason, just offering sacrifices, worshiping. And as these people are talking, it seems like they are inferring that maybe these people died this way, they suffered this way because they had more sin in their life than others. And Jesus hearing this, in so many words, kind of says, huh? Uh, He said, are you inferring that These people died this way under Pilate, suffered because they have more sin in their life than others in Galilee? And Jesus, in so many words, says, certainly not. And he goes on to say, in so many words, that none of us know our time here on earth. None of us know our days. We don't know our weeks, our months, our hours, our decades, our years. We're not sure. And he then says, we should turn to God today. We should repent and we should follow him. And in fact, he shares another tragic event that has just recently occurred and evidently people knew about, and it's about a tower that fell in a town called Siloam. And this tower that fell killed 18 people. And Jesus said, do you think those people died that way because they had more sin in their life than others in Jerusalem? And Jesus says, certainly not. He says, that, 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 that's, not, that's not what happened. Uh, he said, none of, he goes on to say in so many words, again, none of us know how much time we have here on earth. We don't know our days. We don't know our hours. Uh, therefore, we should turn to God. Uh, we should worship him. And so, uh, so, so Jesus, Jesus shares this. And um, hold on a second. Forgot my, where I'm going here. <laughs> Jesus shares this. 
and he, com- he comes to give us another chance. And he shares this parable, and he says, we don't know how much time uh, we have here on earth. We don't know, we don't know our time. We, we, we have to just turn to God. And so Jesus, oh, I literally forgot where I'm going. <laughs> give me just a moment. Okay, now I know where I'm at. Someone give Jesus a hand clap. Come on. Woo. <laughs> so, so he, here's what's going on. So this, so Jesus says that we don't know how much time we have here on earth. They'll remind you. Jesus shares this, and this is the foundation that this parable rests upon. This is the foundation kind of where this rests. And so Jesus is speaking to a predominantly agricultural, predominantly farming community. And he's speaking to farmers about, about this parable. And remind you, uh, these farmers know a bit about farming. And so Jesus goes on and he shares about this fig tree. And if you know anything about first century farming, which I'm sure you don't because you have a life, I, on the other hand, do not. So I actually study this stuff. I'm kind of a Bible nerd, all right? And so if you know anything about first century farming, uh, you will find out this is true, that first century farmers, they would give a fig tree two years. They would give a fig tree two years to produce figs. If it didn't produce figs in that time, uh, they would uh, usually cut the tree down and they would start over again. But the, we read in this parable that this of owner, this man, already gives this fig tree three years. And so this is already the word picture of grace. And so Jesus then shares this parable, and he shares about a gardener. And then this gardener has the audacity. He has the unmitigated gall to ask for another chance. He says, let's give this tree another chance. Let's give it a fourth year. Now, the people hearing this, I'm sure, are like, are you even trying to produce figs? You know, are you even trying to make money? I mean, what are you doing? But understand, Jesus doesn't share this parable in order to share best practices about producing figs. Jesus shares this parable to unveil and reveal to us his heart for humanity, that we serve a God who loves us, who goes to great lengths to reach us. That we serve a God who gives us another chance. And that's ultimately the point to this parable. And not only is this the point to this parable, that is the point to the Gospels. And not only is that the point to the Gospels, that is the point to the Bible. In fact, if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to find a number of people that God used that before he could use them, he had to give them another chance. Moses killed a man. David had an affair. Rahab was a prostitute. Come on, Jonah ran from God. Peter denied Jesus three times. Paul persecuted the church. Yet every single one of these people were given another chance by God, and because they were, they turned the world upside down for the gospel. Come on. Because they did, our lives are bettered by their story. Our lives are bettered by the scripture. They were given another chance. And the same way they were given another chance thousands of years ago, Jesus offers us another chance today. He is a God who goes to great lengths to reach us because he loves us. He is a God who gives us another chance. Perhaps the greatest example of this, the personification of this is Jesus. As Jesus came to this earth, why? Because humanity was out of chances. 
Because humanity, our sin had condemned us and we had no solution. And so Jesus laid aside perfection in heaven to come to this imperfect world. Jesus combined with his deity, humanity, which simply put means he was fully God and fully man. Church, Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a gruesome death, but three days later, he rose from the dead. And because he did, we are saved in every sense of the word. Because he did, we have life. Because he did, we are free. Because he did, we are loved. Come on. Jesus came to us because we couldn't get to him. And it wasn't nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love for you and his love for me that held him there. And we serve a God who gives us another chance. Amen? I shared with you in the first message of this series that in any parable Jesus shares, you have to ask yourself two questions. Just two questions. The first question is this. You got to ask yourself, who is God? Who is Jesus in this parable? And the second question you have to ask yourself is, who am I? Who are we in this parable? Well, Jesus in this parable is the gardener. The gardener is pleading for grace. He's pleading for another chance. This represents Jesus. Who is the man? Somebody's like, I'm the man. Yeah, I'm the man. No, who is the man in the parable, all right? The man in the parable represents the father. It represents the judgment seat of God. Who are we? The tree. We are the fig tree in this parable. And perhaps you don't know this, but other than God and people, trees are the third most uh, talked about living object in scripture. In fact, we as people are likened to trees more than any other object or thing. It's, it, 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 we are the fig tree in this. And watch this. I love, love, love this. This is what I love. Watch this. That while Jesus is speaking, everybody else is hearing about a fruitless, worthless fig tree. But the gardener, Jesus he sees something of value. Everybody else is hearing about this worthless, valueless fig tree, but Jesus, the gardener, says that has value. Jesus, the gardener, says that has worth. Jesus says, I will, uh, I will help that thing grow. Why? Because even when we are fruitless, even when we're not accomplishing the things we want in life, even when things aren't going our way, uh, we serve a God who loves us, who sees potential in us. Why? Because God doesn't love you and I on the basis of what we do. He loves you and I on the basis of who we are. We are sons and daughters of God. And even when we are far from him, scripture says, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And even when our lives are fruitless, he sees something that potentially can be fruitful. And he loves us. And so Jesus uh, sees this tree, and, and, and Jesus, a.k.a. the gardener, he says this. He says, regarding this tree, this fruitless fig tree, he says two things. He says, I'll give it special attention, and number two, he says, I'll fertilize it. Someone say special attention. Say fertilize. He says, I'll give this tree special attention. Uh, growing up, <laughs> uh, I loved mathematics. I did. I loved math early on, and um, I was a fan of math. As long as there were numbers in my math, I loved math. I loved addition, subtraction. I could do complex multiplication. I could handle long division. As long as there were numbers in my math, I loved math. However, the moment they started throwing the alphabet into my math, 
everything started going downhill. Anyone else? The moment they started throwing the alphabet in, it was almost like this thing became a foreign language to me. I mean, they were like A plus B equals C, and I'm like, see you later. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, to me, every single equation in algebra, every one, every one sounded like this, like if A equals four and B equals cat, then how many pancakes does it take to cover a doghouse or something like that? And I'm like, I don't know how I could ever answer this. You know, I don't know how anyone on this planet could ever answer this. And, and, I, and I just, I, I didn't get it. So my senior year in high school, I had finished enough credits uh, to graduate, and so I didn't have to take a math. So I didn't take a math class. And this was good at the time. I had a fun senior year. It was actually bad long-term because I had college entrance exams, okay? And I'd forgotten all these formulas. So I went to community college to play basketball, all right? I mean, uh, who wouldn't think that a five-foot-nine, you know, white boy with a 10-inch vertical leap wouldn't make the NBA, you know, I had this hoop dream, and I just thought, you know, I'm going to make it. I, I went to CC to play basketball. And so I took my college entrance exams, and I met with my advisor. And he said, Matt, here's the good news, bad news. He said, the good news is this. The good news is you passed uh, your college uh, entrance exam. You got enough credits to take college math. And he said, you took a year off math, so that's, that's good. He said, the bad news <laughs> is your scores were a little low. And so we're, we're going to give you special attention the first month to make sure your grades are good enough so you'll be eligible. Special attention. Now, this was new to me. I, I'll be honest with you, church. I was a little bit embarrassed. I was like, what? You know, really? But I decided in that moment I would embrace with humility this season. And so two times a week I would go to the tutor, the math tutor, and and check in. And after a month, uh, my grades were good enough, but I kept going back because I was actually learning some of these formulas. I was actually understanding some of this, and I wanted to keep growing. And wouldn't you know it that not only did I pass that class, but I got a pretty good grade in it, pretty good grade in math. And why do I share this? I share this because even in fruitless seasons, watch this, even in fruitless seasons, Jesus shows up and he gives us special attention. God will give you and I everything we need to fulfill what he's called us to do. Jesus shows up in fruitless season and he pays us special attention. That's not the question. The question is this. Will you and I have the humility to embrace the special attention he gives us? Will we embrace the special attention Jesus gives us with humility? See, maybe you've walked in here today and maybe you're struggling in an area, uh, struggling in your finances. Maybe it's time to find somebody who's ahead in their finances who can mentor you in that area and help you. Maybe you walk in today and you're struggling in your marriage. Listen, we've all been there. We've all had those moments. But maybe it's time to find somebody who can help mentor you in that marriage and help you in that season. Maybe you've come in today and you're pulling your hair out as a parent. And you're like, I didn't know it'd be like this. I didn't know my kids would become teenagers and this would happen, you know. And maybe it's time to find somebody who can help mentor you, help instruct you in your parenting. We all need that. And most importantly, maybe in your spiritual walk. Uh, Maybe in your spiritual formation, you're facing a season and a moment, and you just need people to help you grow. 
Scripture tells us as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. And maybe you need somebody to encourage you, somebody to hold you accountable, uh, somebody to lift you up. That's why we have groups. That's why we have community. That's why we have church. Because none of us have this thing figured out. None of us have arrived. And the question is this, when we face fruitless seasons, when we face seasons in our life where things aren't working out the way we want them to, the question is not, does Jesus pay us special attention? He does. The question is, will we embrace with humility the special attention that he brings? And then Jesus says this. He says, I'll fertilize the tree. And keys, if you could come up here. He says, I'll fertilize the tree. Somebody say fertilizer. Now, this word fertilizer here in the Greek language uh, comes from the word capria. Capria, and it literally means manure. Because fertilizer and manure are one and the same. And ultimately, we know that fertilizer and manure stinks, right? It stinks. And yet, in fruitless season, fruitless seasons, oftentimes it's fertilizer, something that stinks on the front end, that on the back end produces fruit. <laughs> back end. <laughs> I didn't, that was kind of fun. Oftentimes, it's the fertilizer today. Sometimes it's things that stink today that tomorrow will produce fruit in our lives. I was talking to a friend of mine not too long ago, and he was sharing with me that he was going through a rough spot and a rough patch. And, and he said in this season, uh, Jesus really challenged him, him to start waking up early to pray. And he said, Matt, you've known me for years. You know I'm not a morning person, right? And he said, I'll be honest with you. He said, on the front end, man, uh, it stinks. He said, waking up early, it hasn't been fun. It's been inconvenient. But he said, you know, over time, he said, I really feel like my soul is getting healthier. He said, over time, I really feel like uh, my attitude is getting better. I really feel like my outlook is starting to shift. He said, I really feel like things are starting to change and tweak even in my home. And he said, I go on and I think that me waking up early has been catalytic on my soul becoming healthier and God's doing something in me. And I share this because sometimes we face fertilizer seasons. When we find ourselves in fruitless seasons, Jesus will take us into a fertilizer season. And let's be honest, church, sometimes it stinks. Sometimes it stinks when Jesus challenges us to do stuff out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it stinks when Jesus challenges us to do something inconvenient in the midst of that fruitless season. Maybe he's challenging you uh, to wake up earlier and pray. Maybe he's challenging you to stay up late and pray over your kids. Maybe he's challenging you to pour your life into somebody and you're already busy. I mean, who's got time for that? Maybe he's challenging you to give. He's challenging you to tithe. He's challenging you to step out in an area and serve. I don't know. But I do know this. I know that in these fruitless seasons of our life, that Jesus sometimes will take us into a fertilizer season. And though it stinks today, tomorrow it could be the very thing that produces fruit in your life if we are obedient in these moments. Listen, we serve a God who gives us another chance. We serve a God who goes to great lengths to reach us because he loves us. We serve a God who gives us another chance. And I want to close with this thought, this thought, and I'm done. 
that the same way we serve a God that gives us another chance, I want to be a church who gives people another chance. Amen? I don't want to just be church for all by name. I want to be church for all by mission. That when people walk into this place and they're frustrated with life, when people walk in here and they find themselves burnt out on religion, when people come into this place and this church and they're ready to give up on God, give up on faith, give up on themselves, give up on people, give up on church, that they would come in contact with a gardener. Somebody who's Jesus with skin on who would say, listen, God gave me another chance and God will give you another chance. God gave me another shot at this thing and I believe God will give you another shot at this thing. Today, regardless of who you are, where you've been, what you've done, I have good news for you and that is we serve a God who gives us another chance. Somebody here is like, not me. The fact that you're here today, the fact that you have air in your lungs today is proof and it's evidence that God is giving you another chance. That's not the question. The question is this, what will we do with that chance? What will we do with this moment? Would you stand up with me and let's pray? Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for another moment. And despite technical difficulties, despite uh, things that go on, I believe God is here and he wants to meet us and he wants to meet you here. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, this is just your moment with God. If you say, I've walked in today and I need to come to Jesus or I need to come back to him. You're telling me he's a God of grace. You're telling me he's a God of mercy. And I in faith am going to believe that today, Matt. I'm gonna believe that what you're saying is true. And if you say, I, I want to choose to follow him. I want him Lord and Savior and master of my life. I need him. I want to come back to him. Would you just quickly slip your hand up and back down again? Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. Hands, 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 hands. Yes, 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 yes. Give a few more moments. Say, I want him. Yeah, come on. And just pray this prayer just in your own way. Jesus, I need you. I love you. I thank you for dying on a cross for me and giving your life while I was still far from you. And I choose today to follow you. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. And I thank you, thank you, that you give me another chance. In Jesus' name, amen.